0: You cannot sit and say things will come into my lap. Back, I was the best talent in the bank. There was a manager who wanted to fire me. You need to ask shamelessly. When you want to do something, you will find the time. And when you don't want to do something, you will find an excuse. Are you ready to know what you don't know about Privacy
1: Pros? Then you're in the right place.
2: Welcome to the Privacy Pros Academy podcast by KZN Privacy Expert the podcast to launch, progress and excel your career as a privacy pro.
1: Hear about the latest news and developments in the world of privacy.
2: Discover fascinating insights from leading global privacy professionals.
1: And hear real stories and top tips from the people who've been where you want to get to.
2: We're an official IAPP training partner.
1: We've trained people in over 137 countries and councils.
2: So, whether you're thinking about starting a career in data privacy,
1: or you're an experienced professional,
2: this is the podcast for
3: you. Hi everyone, and welcome to the Privacy Pros Academy podcast. My name is Jamila, and I'm a data privacy analyst at Casient Privacy Experts. With me today as my co-host is Jamal Ahmed, fellow of information privacy and CEO at Casient Privacy Experts. Jamal is an astute and influential privacy consultant, strategist, board advisor and fellow of information privacy. He's a charismatic leader, progressive thinker and innovator in the privacy sector who directs complex global privacy programmes. He's a sought-after commentator, contributing to the BBC, ITV News, Euronews, Talk Radio, The Independent and The Guardian, amongst others. His Privacy Pros podcast reaches audiences in over 100 countries and is ranked the number one privacy podcast in the world and one of the top
1: three GDPR podcasts. Hi, Jamal. How are you? Fantastic, Jamila. How is it going today? Yes, all right. Friday, happy. Well, I spy with my little eye a cross trainer in your background. How many times do you actually use it? Oh, it's it's a bike. (laughs) It's a bike.
3: Actually, quite regularly, but... I think I shared in the group chat that a couple of weeks ago, I fell out of my bed in the middle of the night and hit it on the way down. Ouch. Yeah, it, it was. More... Now? Yes, I'm, I'm right. cured. Awesome. Um, so I'm going to move that at some point. Um, but anyway, Jamal, uh, you recently came back from Latvia. Tell us what you were doing there.
1: Yes, I was invited by the Latvian Supervisory Authority, the Data State Inspectorate, to be part of the international conference that they had. The conference was called Personal Data Future Perspectives. And they invited guests from all around the world, including our friend Matt Frims and lots of other keynote speakers. And I had the pleasure of talking about emotional recognition and if that should always be classified as data processing. Uh, you know, it was a really great uh, event. They, they had so many nice people there. Mm-hmm. And I got to meet a couple of members of the European Data Protection Board. I got to be on the panel with the Finnish Data uh, Protection Ombudsman. And I also really got to network with people from the European data protection supervisor as well. But the thing that really stood out for me the most was the actual Latvian people. How mm-hmm. friendly and helpful they are. Like everywhere I went, even though it's the first time I've been to this country and I knew no one and I knew nothing, everyone was always so happy to help. Uh, I kind of fell in love with the, the town I was in. I was in Riga. It's really nice. The, the best part of the trip was they had these really cool electric scooters, right? So You can just come at the hotel and it'll be just there on the pavement waiting. For you. you scan it and then you just jump on it and it takes you wherever you need to go. I don't know why we don't have things like that in London.
3: But, um, we do have electric scooters in many cities, but there's no like regulation of it. I'll be walking along in my headphones and then one will like zoom past me. So I think maybe, no, but that's should... people
1: actually own it. These are like you know, those Boris bikes we have in the yeah, UK? yeah, it's like those Boris bikes you just. Mm. You just hire it as you pay as you go, and then you just stop, and that's it. The trip stops. Well,
3: maybe that will come to the UK soon.
1: I think it'd be great for the environment too.
3: Yeah. So everyone, we've got a great podcast coming up. Um, we're speaking to a leading privacy expert um, who's worked with professionals o- in over 30 countries. And we'll be talking about how to take your career in privacy to the next level. We're looking at self-development, looking at the importance of training. And we'll be hearing from our guest who is a author of many books about privacy. So get ready to hear some top tips. So let me go ahead and introduce our guest for port- today. So Punit Bhatia is one of the leading privacy experts who has worked with professionals in over 30 countries. He works with CXOs and DPOs to identify and manage privacy risks and create and implement privacy strategies in a world that is digital, AI driven and has data in the cloud. Punit is the author of four privacy books, including the books Be Ready for GDPR, an Effective DPO and AI and Privacy. The book Be Ready for GDPR is listed as the number one in best GDPR books by book authority. Fnit is a global speaker who has spoken at over 50 global events and is a host uh, and creator of the Fit for Privacy podcast which has been ranked among the top GDPR podcasts in 2020, 2021 and 2022. Welcome, Pernit. Thank you so
1: much for joining us.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to it. You guys are doing wonderful jobs, so continue to help the privacy community.
1: but you, you are such a gentleman. Every time I've spoken to you, you've only been kind and complimentary. And I just want to recognize some of these achievements. I know we just really quickly went through it, but not one, not two, not three, but four books and the podcast And all of these speaking gigs, where do you find the time?
0: That's a good question. I think when there's (laughs) the right intention, you find the time. It's the same for you. I mean, I I can say you're on BBC, you are here, you are there, you are everywhere. (laughs) So how do you find the time? Because I think you would agree when you want to do something, you will find the time. And when you don't want to do something, you will find an excuse.
3: You were both going to say caffeine is how you find... Uh, time for everything <laughs> I, I, I don't drink coffee jamila there are other
1: forms of caffeine as i well know right, we're not, not going to get into your red bull uh challenges <laughs> on this podcast we'll go for we will go to the gp for that but what's punit's icebreaker question
3: yes our icebreak question and i've started using some of these icebreak questions on my instagram to see what what kind of yeah. the general public and um, feels. so punit if you could go back and redo the last five years of your life would you
0: I would redo perfectly fine. I would absolutely redo nothing to change.
3: Oh, so you just do it and live it again as like an experience. You wouldn't change anything if you did go back.
0: See, if I go back, I would be the same person, and if I'm the same person, I'll make the same decisions, and if I make the same decisions, it'll be the same consequences. So, Very if true. I go back, it's gonna repeat, unless you say I go back with my current wisdom and yes, everything. Yes, you go back everything. with your
3: current wisdom, your current knowledge, and your ability to change things. So I would go then, back and invest in hand sanitizer and masks for the upcoming COVID
0: <laughs> That's interesting. I think if, even if I go back with the same wisdom, I would yes. still need to follow the same path to where I am. Yes. For example, take a simple thing. Mm-hmm. To have a podcast with 75 episodes, I need to start with one. I can't start with 75. So Very true. <laughs> to write four books, I need to start with the first one. So I'm not sure can change a lot of things.
3: That's a very good idea. I think that's very helpful for people who may live in the past or look back and think, oh, I should have done that. I should have done that. There's always a reason behind where you are now, I guess.
1: Jamal, would you go back? Oh, gosh, no, I don't have the energy to go back and uh, <laughs> redo the last five years. I'm, I'm, I'm perfectly happy where I am. I've made mistakes. I've learned along the way. I've
0: grown. I want to look forward. Most people spend time in the past, but it's like a car. If you're driving a car, looking back, what happens? An accident. And that's what happens. But you've got to look forward and look at the past a little bit to learn to know what's happening and where you have to drive your car. So look forward, look forward to the new things. And of course, everyone has challenges. I mean, I say I will repeat my five years. I've also had some of my most challenging years in last five years. I've also had some of my best years in last five years. But the best and the worst go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. So that's why you need to be aware that there are challenges to make you grow. The challenges are there to create opportunities, but you've got to stay positive, stay energetic and keep thinking and keep doing the right thing.
3: Very good points. I think we can learn a lot from what you've both said. So getting into the privacy questions, Puneet, why did you go into privacy in the first place?
0: I wish I had a plan. It was not with the plan. It was in <laughs> back in 2015. I was mm-hmm. looking for a change. I was in a bank and I was looking... I was a project manager, program manager, and I was looking for a new program. So when I was in my channels, digital channels, everything would get deprioritized. This is regulatory. Regulatory has the highest priority. So I went to the head of regulation and said, I want a regulatory program. And she mm-hmm. said, Are you sure? Nobody comes in and say, I want to work in regulations. I said, Because when I'm in digital, it's business priority projects and you guys deprioritize and you get priorities. So I want priority. Okay. We have a project or a program, uh, which is called data privacy, something, something. And we want to change, a. I mean, the project manager has left, or program manager has left and said, why? He said, in the last two years, five have left. I said, okay, <laughs> that's the one for me, because I like a bit of challenge. So I want to understand how challenging is it. So I started that, and then I learned it was an internal policy. They were looking at it as an IT project. We converted it into a program bank we set up. And then I learned it is based on GDPR because GDPR was coming. So there were some forward-thinking people. I did that. I did well. And as I did it well, they asked me to move to group about 18 months or two years later and run it for 35 countries or across the group with other colleagues, of course, because when you run it at group, you are a team. So there was a program director. We were. I was a program manager and other people. And we ran it and we created a framework. And then I started enjoying it, I wrote a book, and then suddenly I realized, oh, I'm in privacy. (laughs) So (laughs) it happened.
1: That that sounds like an amazing journey, Puneet. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And what really stood out for me there was you wasn't just waiting for somebody to um, give you an opportunity to do something. You actually actively went out and you created the opportunity for you by asking the question. And oftentimes what, what I hear and what really frustrates me is people, they sit there, they think, if I just do a good job and I sit here, um, then somebody will recognize me and the right opportunity will fall on my lap. Well, in my experience, I can tell you that has never happened. Having said that, there are things you can do to increase how you magnetically attract those opportunities to you. And Puneet will actually uh, share more about how you can work on self-development and I call it personal branding for that. But if you're just keeping your head down, doing a good job, even if you're doing the best job compared to everyone else in the same role, it's highly unlikely that an opportunity is going to knock on the door and land itself on your map.
0: Would you agree with that, Puneet? I would 100% agree. And the reason I was looking for was I I was doing exactly that. I was doing a very good job, I thought. Of course, everyone thinks. Uh, I was focused head down and not focused on branding, not focused on anything, and thinking opportunity would fall in my lap, which it didn't. Then there was a manager who wanted to fire me. So there was fire underneath me to find something. So then, you you know, in those moments of challenge, those moments of sometimes we call that in a negative sense, despair, frustration, all that. And you feel bad, you are being targeted and all that. I found that energy that I must do something because I had a desire, I don't want to be fired. So then I went to all the managers in the bank, 27 to 30 managers. And I said, do you have something for me? And before that, or two years back, I was the best talent in the bank. And guess what? And then there was one gentleman who trusted me Mm. and the regulatory lady. They gave me the program. So I fully agree with you. You cannot sit and say things will come into my lap. Because one thing you got to do is, you said it very well, you need to ask. You need to, I extend it a little bit more. You know, the son of Brian Tracy, my coach says, You need to ask shamelessly. I know it feels bad, especially coming from in the European culture, shamelessly and asking, oh, that's too bad. No, you've got to persistently, shamelessly keep on asking because there are two choices when you ask. The person says yes or the person says no. We usually think about no, but mathematically the probability is 50% each. So why not take the 50% yes? And when you do it many, 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 many times, as I was saying, 100 times, 10 times, 20 times, the probability increases because you would do the first one, it's 50%. Second time, also 50. And in this process, you never, ever know which one is the time that they will say yes. Because if I knew it's the 100th chance, I will safely apply 99 times and 100th time, I will go with all passion. No, you got to go with all passion, all energy. Like in my case, 27 the managers, I had to go 27 times. If I knew that's the 27th man or lady, I would have gone to them direct. Why would I do 26 uh, six unsuccessful attempts? You ought to do that. So never, ever sit back and say, I'm relaxed, because then you are a sitting duck. And if you are moving, then it's a bit more easier. And you mentioned the branding. And I think that's another thing I learned because I was like, why did it happen to me? So not only I got the chance, I asked the questions. Why did it happen to me? I hired a coach. Uh, and then he said a few things. And he said, you have to do branding. Of course, it was like, I'm not a branding guy. I can't market myself. Of course, all those hesitation and inhibitions. But then slowly and gradually, I wrote my book. That was a step. Then I did my podcast. And then things started to change.
1: Wow. Awesome. You had this pressure that was you wanted to get away from the pain. And the pain was, you've been there. You've previously been recognized as the best talent within the business. But even then, a new manager came along, and for whatever reason, they didn't get along with you. And they said, "Hey, Puneet, I, I don't think there's any more room for you to go further." And that really got you into, um, I would say, first gear. I was like, "Okay, I'm not going to take that. I need to find something." So you went, you went, spoke to the first person, the second person, the third person, twenty six times. You had to hear no, and then the twenty seventh time changed your fortune forever.
0: Exactly, and I'm very glad that that manager wanted to fire me. Because that changed me. Otherwise, as I said, heads down, working hard. No branding, nothing.
3: I think we can often learn a lot. And if we face an adversity, it can propel us forward, even if we don't think it will in that
1: moment. So Puneet, the, the key thing I'm taking away from that is consistency and persistency. In fact, I'm going to brand it as shameless consistency and persistency.
0: <laughs> shameless consistency and persistency. Wow, that's interesting. Most people think privacy is a hard skill. So I got to do CIPPE, CIPM, CIPT, and I'm done. Well, no, you're not even started. <laughs> that's the hard skill. You got to know the privacy part. But then it's about understanding business, understanding stakeholders, understanding people, That's and understanding yourself before that. And then making the connections and then being able to position yourself and being a brand rather than being a privacy. I mean, anyone, uh, you know, we are in the world of AI and computers. Put GDPR into an AI machine, it'll learn and it can give you answers. So what should I do? How many days for a rights uh, request and so on? That a computer can do. But what a human can do is put the spin around it, ask for contextual questions, put empathy, put the situation, put the context, because when a rights request comes, it's a lot of contextual matter. Whenever I work for a client, they say it's a privacy request. And then I ask, what's the context? And I say it's a commercial client. If it's a commercial client, you're not governed by the, of course, you're governed by GDPR, but then you also have the element of the commercial contract with that company before you throw in the individual. And when it's an individual, it's based on where you are. So again, I'm going into what I was saying, the material stuff or the hard skills, but the hard skills are important, but hard skills you can implement when you have the soft skills. And that's why it's also about personal development, making yourself applicable and uh, relevant in that situation. And most people think it's hard skills.
3: That's that's very interesting. So if you had to kind of summarize like your top three tips for privacy professionals in order for them to take their career to the next level, would one of them be soft skills? What would the Definitely. other kind of be?
0: So I would say three because everyone focuses on the hard skills. So I will not yeah. talk about that. That's a given. If you're a privacy professional, you know privacy. If you're a lawyer, you have done law. So mm-hmm. that's something we are not going to talk what differentiates you in the market is your ability to understand and connect with others, understand people and understand situations, and then connect because you got to interpret it. Yeah. Then your ability to provide relevant solutions, because as a boring privacy professional, sometimes you cannot come in and say, hey, your website is out of sync. Please stop the website, pull down the business because cookies mm-hmm. are not in sync. That doesn't work. So you've got to have that understanding of the business, understanding of the people, understanding of the situation, and then put a solution saying, "Yeah, cookies are out of sync. Let's do this quickly and let's log it a risk. And then, so that's ability to provide solution. And the third thing is be able to be yourself. So don't get into the scare of, of course, there are a lot of scaremongers. You will have this much of fine this and that. And he's a CEO. How can I tell him if I tell him this, my job, I will lose my job. Well, be yourself. If you lose your job, you'll find another one. There are enough space in the universe, in the world for the right people. And there are right places also. Mm-hmm. So those three things is what I would say.
1: Wow this, this podcast is turning very philosophical. Um, <laughs> Pernice, I love how holistic you've made it. So for's talking about being or be, being yourself being authentic but what I heard and read between the lines of what he's saying there is you need to change your mindset or you need to adopt the abundance mindset. there is enough opportunities in this world for everyone to thrive. If If we're always going coming from a scarcity mindset, there's not enough opportunities and you just want to keep everything to yourself. It never gives you an opportunity to show yourself in your best light. It never gives you an opportunity to really put yourself out there because you're always worried about what people are going to take the moment when you start doing that. The moment that you switch your mindset on over to the abundance mindset, which Panita so uh, eloquently put, put, put to us here, there is enough space in the universe for every single person to grow, develop and thrive.
3: Panit, you're... Passionate about self-development, and this is kind of coming off the back of the last question, the three top tips. As someone who's at the top of their career, how do you continue with your self-development? And is it important, you know, you don't once you reach the top, do you still keep developing yourself or do you think I can relax now?
0: Hmm. It's an interesting question. Very interesting, very profound. I think the way it works is there's nothing like something you have reached the top and you can't go up. It's a continuous improvement. It's a continuous development. It's a journey. But what tends to happen is, as I was explaining earlier in the show, around 2015, 16, I was putting my head down, working and all that. But then when I switched, when I changed, I started to listen to books. I started to develop myself. And since then I've read or listened, right word is listened, more than 250 books. And then it doesn't mean, now it's 250, I can stop because when I was at zero, I found somebody who has one book. When I was at one, I found somebody with 10. Mm. And now I see people, oh, he's read 3,000 books. He's read 10,000 books. So my baseline or my target is changing. So for somebody who has never read a book, he says, oh, 250. So you don't need to read anything. Well, No, the size of mm. uh, the, or the capacity in which I need to fulfill in the wisdom, the self-development has increased. So I need to read different, more quality books. And it's no more about the sugar candy books like positive thinking, think, affirmation and all that. (laughs) Now it's more deep and more fulfilling and all those things. So it never stops. It's a continuous journey and it never stops. I mean, I met guys with 3,000 or 5,000 or 10,000 books and they're still like, I find that how enriching. I mean, I met a guy uh, called Dr. John Dimartini, and he was like telling me there are, I don't know how many types of sciences I said I don't even remember how many types of sciences, and he has read it, all the <laughs> sciences. So, what a level!
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I have only done the one philosophy, or the self development, or a few others, and he has done. And he was telling me, and then every time you talk, and he's at a different level. I mean, you're nodding, Jamal. That means you've also met him.
1: Yeah, I, I met. I spent a whole weekend with Doctor John D. Martini in, uh, in in West London, and that this was wow. This was you're bringing back memories from about ten years ago, but I found. fascinating. And actually, Dr. John T. Martini was the one person who inspired me to become a speed reader. And that really helped me out at university a lot, right? I can't read at the same speed I used to be able to read at before. But one thing that did inspire me was just how we can increase our reading, just by simply using something like a pen and using it as a visual aid. And then we can even increase it even further by making sure that the pen doesn't actually go all the way from one beginning of the line to the end. Because our peripheral vision sees those words and we can take in the context. If you go into a speed reading course, it's absolutely amazing and it will fascinate you how quickly um, you can improve your reading speed. And uh, John D. Martini, after spending a whole weekend with him, was like, I need to read more books, but I need to read them faster. <laughs> and this speed reading is definitely going to help me with that. But the, the time I spent with him was definitely life changing for me. And it really got me to look into my values and understand what the values are. And one of the biggest takeaways I took from that, he said, look, if you want to do something, if you want to achieve something, then what you have to do, he had this exercise where you have to look at this thing and you have to look at how it's going to benefit every single area of your life. And then you're going to have to look at how that's going to benefit the people that you love. And then you have to look at it to see the people in your environment, how that's going to benefit you. And then you're going to see what is the impact this is going to have on the actual world and have a global impact and this one silly thing that you couldn't find yourself motivated to do or you were procrastinating on suddenly once you do this exercise you you don't you feel bad not to do it because you've just seen how much benefit this can have for other people outside of you and who am i to deny people of those benefits and i can see Punit with that kind of mindset and the spending time with john Martini, how you also have been able to uh, channel that and why you're so passionate about serving people and you're not just serving people you are serving people and you're making global ways and i see a lot of commonalities between us and all of these similar coaches and mentors is making sense and this is the reason why we probably resonate so well with each other thank you for, for sharing uh,
3: so you've written four books as jamal uh said earlier and we said in the bio what is your process of writing books and what do you find the easiest or the hardest and i am writing my phd at the moment and i find that the writing part is actually the easiest once i've got all the information i can kind of go 5000 words a day just typing um are you kind of the same
0: more or less the same uh, i mean i do have a process which works mm. the difficult part is not the process the difficult part is making you convince that you have to do it yeah. I and mean, for last few months, I'm thinking I should write a book, but I want to write a book. The mm-hmm. book is clear. The title is clear, but I'm not starting it. But once I start, I know it's a 3 months process and I will do it. Mm-hmm. So it's about commitment. I think uh, he mentioned uh, very clearly, Jamal, shamelessly consistent and persistent. So mm-hmm. when I bring that shamelessly, meaning I will do it every day, yeah. then it happens. At the moment, it's like. There's no urge, there's no pain, no desire to yeah. have again. I've done four, fifth one can wait. <laughs> so that's what's happening. But when you get it, when you're committed to it, yeah. then you persistently, consistently put the effort on a day-in, day-out basis. And then it's a matter of doing it in 60, 90, or 120 days and writing a good book. And as you said, 5,000 words a day. I mean, I don't get biased by number of words. I say mm-hmm. I will write 30 minutes. That's all. Yeah. Typically, when you do 30 minutes, you'll end up doing 60 or 90. And sometimes you'll have bad days after 15 minutes. you say today there's no flow. But at least you tried.
3: Yeah. No, I definitely agree with that. I think sometimes starting is the biggest barrier because it looks so overwhelming before you start. You think, well, how am I going to get to, you know, write a whole book when I can't even put a sentence together? But it's once you get over that first kind of hurdle, I think things and I think that's true of a lot of things. What do you think Jamal?
1: Yeah, Patricia's given me an aha moment. As you might know, Jamila, I'm working on uh publishing my first book which is going to mm-hmm. be the easy peasy guide to the GDPR. And I've already put something out there for free. It's available if you subscribe to the newsletter. And that's the Pragmatic Guide to the GDPR. But I've had so much feedback and so many people request copies of it and they actually think it is actually a published book. It's not yet. So what I'm doing is I'm rewriting the Pragmatic Guide and bringing in a, a, a more practical and an easier to read version of the GDPR. Now the challenge I find is the GDPR is written in a way, it's probably written by a whole bunch of lawyers. It's very technically challenging. It's easy for me to translate that into another legal easy complex uh, set of words and sentences. What's taking me the most time is to translate that in a way where it's so simple that anyone can understand it without losing the meaning and the nuances of the actual uh, text. And that's what's uh, been driving me crazy over the last couple of weeks. But what Punit said there was do half an hour a day. And I think, look, if I just do half an hour a day, then this will happen a lot quicker. And the the challenge with writing uh, simply is it actually takes longer to write something shorter and more concise than it does to like great lengths. And I can't <laughs> remember who this philosopher was. Jamila, I'm sure you're far more uh, knowledgeable than me. Punit, you might even know. There was a guy who said, forgive me. But I didn't have the time to write a shorter letter. Um, and he wrote a really long letter. So that, that just it indicates that how much more effort you have to put in. But what inspires me is a quote from Albert Einstein. And he says, if you can't explain it simply enough, it means you haven't understood it well enough.
3: Yeah. it. what has been your memorable, most memorable client story with people that you've worked with in privacy over the last few years? If you can share. Without breaching or getting any
0: Share it in an anonymized way.
3: Yeah.
0: (laughs) So uh, we were working on the privacy program at a certain point in time. And I mean, one of the many, there was this marketing team who had created a privacy notice that was ranked as one of the best in their country they were got get, gotten some awards and everything and then i come in saying because of the privacy laws you have to change it then i had the head of legal head of marketing together the head of marketing of course was very proud of you know his awards and everything and he didn't want to change he didn't want his privacy notice to be touched and of course the head of legal you know how it is it's gdpr you have to change it we will and then i was the program manager and i had to mediate so after a while, when they spoken, I said, guys, you want to write the best privacy notice so that it gets an award again. You want to change it because there's GDPR. But I'm sure you don't want the company to be fined. Oh, yes. You're not only after award. Oh, yes. And then I said to the legal guy, you want a privacy notice. Doesn't matter who writes it. He said, yes. And I said, the marketing guy. He will give you guidance. Would you take care of that guidance? Write it. He will review it. And if you're not satisfied, I will intervene. So that was one of the best moments because I didn't use privacy knowledge. It was all about soft skills, communication, mediation, and all those skills and everything coming together. The thing it happened was I was listening, I was synthesizing, and all the skills I explained to you, ability to understand, ability to comprehend, ability to provide solution, and then also stay relevant. So I didn't try to say, I know, I didn't try to push GDPR, that 4 million and this and that and that. No, simple. There's no 20 million. There's no 4%. Uh, sorry, I said 4 million. Uh, 4% or 20 million. And I was like, no, simple. You want this, you want that. The marketing guy was wants the award. He doesn't care about the 4%. The legal guy cares for that, but both care for the reputation of the company. So that's what I synthesized leverage. And it was a memorable moment because most people think privacy is about privacy. But privacy is about all these other aspects.
1: Thank you so much for sharing that story, Puneet, because it really um, exemplifies what you were talking about earlier when you gave the three top tips. It's 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 not the hard skills; it's the soft skills that makes the difference between a mediocre professional, a mediocre privacy professional, and those really um, sought after privacy professionals uh, such as yourself. And it's the ability to listen to understand what is the thing this person's interested in? What is the thing that's driving this person? How do I come in and give them some common ground so we can achieve a win-win-win situation? So the program one, you got your objectives met. The legal uh, lawyer one, they, he was comfortable that he met the regulations. And also the marketing guy one, because he was happy that he could put something together and compete for another award. And it's that kind of thinking uh, and, and that ability to take a step back when everyone around you is losing their heads by arguing with each other and bring that coolness that I think is probably been one of the central drivers for a lot of the success that you've achieved. And forgive me if I'm wrong, but I'm just seeing that that coolness and calmness that you're bringing to this podcast that you bring to everything I see. And I've heard all the great things about you. It, it, where does that come from?
0: Hmm. That's a very deep question. <laughs> say it wasn't existing always so I'll be honest if you compare me in 2012 to now in last 10 years that uh, calmness that depth that comfort that understanding of myself and being comfortable with myself uh, has come in based on what I said the journey I've gone through in last 7 eight, ten years the books I've read the comprehension I made of the books and the great people like you and many others I come in touch with and it rubs off when you meet great people when you read a lot when you spend time with yourself when you go through tough moments challenging moments when uh, you want to you go through moments which others don't want to go through you do things which others don't want to do then eventually you get comfortable in your own skin and then you calm down Thank you. What, what, what a
1: lovely tone to end this episode on. And what I'm taking away from this episode of this fabulous talk that we've had with uh, Puneet Bhatia is number one is shamelessly be persistent and consistent to meet your objectives. Number two is you need to be applicable and relevant, right? You need to be applicable and relevant. And I think those two things, if all I did was go away and try and how I can find out how I can be more applicable and more relevant, it would definitely help serve my clients a lot better. It would help me help me serve everyone a lot better, actually. And then Puneet gave his three top tips. Uh, Number one, he said, understand and connect, understand people, understand situations, understand the business, because when you understand those things, you can come up with better solutions. Uh, And it's very similar. The reason it resonates with me so well is one of the things we teach on the Accelerator program when we do the leadership mindset is the assumption that in order to be understood, first, you must seek to understand. And the moment you understand then people are more open to open up to whatever suggestions you have. So Poonid explained that when he gave us his most memorable client story, he understood what the legal guy wanted. He understood what the marketer wanted and he understood what the business objective or the program objective was. And by first seeking to understand what everybody wants, he was then able to come up with a solution and be understood and that was accepted by everyone. So understand and connect—that is has been so powerful. And um, he, he, then his second takeaway, or his second top tip, was the ability to provide pragmatic solutions. So we can't just come up with solutions that are, you know, what we call, um, or what some people on LinkedIn are calling about privacy absolutism, and say, "Hey, the cookie is not compliant. Um, take the website offline and uh, make sure this business can't do any business for the next thirty days, and everyone can uh, go go home and be made redundant." No. Let's find pragmatic ways to solve these where we get a win-win-win outcome. And finally, the, the, the thing he said is be yourself, be authentic, and be true to yourself. And when you are free uh, to be yourself, you will actually find there is room to grow. And there is enough room in this universe for everyone to go and everyone to succeed. And we should really take on that um, abundance mindset. So those are my top takeaways. I think it's been such a valuable episode. We should actually charge this up. <laughs> And that's the other thing. I just want to take the moment to thank you for everything that you do on behalf of all of my mentees, on behalf of all the privacy professionals, people who have read your books, listened to your podcast. Thank you so much for being of service to the privacy community. The stuff that you're putting out there is really engaging. It's so beneficial. And we look forward to more of it to come. And we wish more people would put themselves in positions like you where they actually say, look, I've Collective so much wisdom, and I now I want to give back and help other people develop. And you're someone, actually, who was one of the first um, individuals I came across when I first transitioned into privacy and I was looking to make an impact. I saw all of the great things you was doing on YouTube, on, on the podcast, um, putting yourself out there with the branding. And when you look at some of the earlier stuff you was putting out there, even though you wasn't getting the kind of traction at that time, you kept consistent. You kept persistent. In fact, I would say you were shamelessly consistent and persistent. And that's helped you to sit where you are today with all of those achievements, with all of that recognition, and with all of that authority you bring to the table. And I had to do exactly the same thing. I had to be persistent. I had to be consistent. you got to try something. My mentor says to me, try something 10 times and then change it, get the feedback, change it. Don't give up if you haven't tried it at least 10 times. Once you've done it 10 times, you'll get some lessons, change it, and tweak it. And he says... The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different outcome as well. So I'm not going to do the same thing a hundred times and expect a different outcome. That's just like sitting there waiting for something to fall in your lap. Do it 10 times, take the feedback and then move on. Right? There is no failure, only feedback. And like Bonnet said earlier on, the, only, the worst thing that can happen is you're going to get one of two outcomes. It doesn't go your way or it actually does go your way. If it goes your way, brilliant. If it doesn't go your way, then you haven't actually lost anything. You're still in the same situation. So nothing is going to become so uh, disastrous for you that your life's going to change. But actually, something could happen. And one of the things I teach my team is instead of saying, what if this happens and that happens and getting anxious uh, and trying to avoid doing it, we always start off with, wouldn't it be great if, and then we fill in the blank. Wouldn't it be great if, and then fill in the blank. And that has really helped us to feel inspired, to feel motivated, and to go and tackle some of those things that we might have some kind of fear or anxiety or something that we've
0: been unsure about. Thank you so much for the words of wisdom and the kind words about me. I think I can exactly say the same things about you, but then I'll be repeating your words. But you've been also (laughs) a great service to people, and I've seen your journey. I think we were some of the people who were a little bit more upfront, more uh, in the face, more putting things into LinkedIn. And sometimes I was also asked, but I also saw you initially, there's a limited response, sometimes people challenging, but you kept on and hang, hang on, carrying on, and that's the way to do it. So thanks for the service you are doing and thanks for having me here. It's a wonderful chance, wonderful opportunity. And I look forward to having you sometime in the Fit for Privacy podcast as well.
1: I'm definitely looking forward to that. And um, just one final question before we let you go: If people want to connect with you and um, buy your books or look at things that you've been working on, what is the best way for them to connect with you?
0: Two sources: my website fitforprivacy.com. Or the LinkedIn. Search my name and you'll find me.
1: We're going to link Puneet Bhatia's LinkedIn um, a bit, bit below this podcast. We're also going to link in his website, fitforprivacy.com, and Puneet Bhatia on Facebook. Make sure you guys uh, look him up, make sure you connect, and make sure you also find inspiration to take your careers and your professional um development to the next level with Puneet.
3: Thank you so much for joining us, Puneet. I hope you enjoyed yourself on our podcast and I look forward to hearing Jamal on yours.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It was a privilege and a pleasure and a very wonderful experience.
2: If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, like and share so you're notified when a new episode is released.
1: Remember to join the Privacy Pros Academy Facebook group where we answer your questions.
2: Thank you so much for listening. I hope you're leaving with some great things that will add value on your journey as a world-class privacy pro.
1: Please leave us a four or five star review.
2: And if you'd like to appear on a future episode of our podcast
1: or have a suggestion for a topic you'd like to hear more about,
2: please send an email to team at Uk.
1: Until next time, peace be with you.